is a lot of emphasis these days on being politically correct, on speaking the truth, they're being spirit politically correct. And there's all other realms of that where you're being psychologically correct, sociologically correct. The problem here is being spiritually correct. What happens when you get caught up in being spiritually correct, it inevitably turns into spiritual psychosis, spiritual idiot. <laughs> I end with doing a long reading, talking about that issue. Talking about a point you get in this practice called the dark night of the soul. That's a Christian term, but dark night of the soul, no matter what you do, it doesn't work. You say 4,782 Hail Marys, it doesn't work. Nothing works. Nothing works. There you are. There's two schools of thoughts about it. One is, he's portraying it as if it's a one-shot deal, which tells us a lot about him. One school says you have to do it five times, another school says you have to do it seven times. I've done it six times, so I guess seven is the rule. But you'll find out for yourself. No matter what you do, tough noogies, light candles, you say prayers, you go on a retreat, tough noogies. And this is where the difficulty arises between coming from a Judeo-Christian background into a Buddhist background. The Judeo-Christian idea, it's guys in the white hats, Beating up the Buddhist tradition, cause of grace, cause of agony. God is sweet and horrendous. That's where we go with today's lecture. Back to this no reference. How can that be? How can there be no reference? Well, we just talked about God, so here we have a reference. Because there's a God, I have something I refer to, so I exist. That goes away, I cease to exist, so I've got to keep that cooking. I can even do it by saying, I'll worship the God that is no God. I'll be an atheist, no God. Well, there's another reference point. Yes? Well, all right, let's get away from that God stuff. That sucks. But then we have a reference point. My lover. I have a lover, so I exist. Well, <laughs> then the lover becomes annoying. So now you've got a hater. So I exist. Constant reference point. Here it's happening, quote, spiritually. Here it's happening externally. Well, it's also going on in here. Hmm? You go out and have a drink or whatever you do. Try and stop that reality. Oh. Oh. Those Zen guys say sit. Oh, that's cool. Okay. We've got a reference point. My fast sitting on the cushion. Pain in my knee. Eye over there that's moving. Always reference points. There's a wall, there's a ceiling, there's a floor. Always reference points. What are we to do? Well, that's why we have something called Heart Sutra. One of the lines in the Heart Sutra is no eyes, no ears, no nose, no mouth, no touch. Cut down all the sense organs, then you have no reference point. Not hearing anything, 
not smelling anything, you're not tasting anything. Reference points are finished. Now what's after that? You have to find out for yourself. No reference. No reference. That's a state of duality where there's a reference point. That's a state of non-duality where there's no reference point. What is that? How can that be? What happens? Find out. This is something you'll encounter on the road. It's a long reading. Pay attention, there will be a test. Uh, excuse me while I look for the reference point. Look at the top of your book. Hernia. There's <laughs> another marker. Hang out, I'm not... Perfect. Hmm? Perfect. I know. <laughs> I don't want that! I want a reference point! <laughs> Very full. Well, it's not coming out. One of the things that's going to happen is you're going to experience the dark night of the soul. Tibetan Buddhists call it an operation without anesthesia. No matter what you do, you can't get away from what's happening. You're like the snake who's crawled into a bamboo tube and can't back up, can't make a U-turn, got to keep going. And it hurts very much. Very much. And when you're in that bamboo tube, there's very few things you can go and grab a hold of to try and distract yourself. You're in there, a long tube so there's no light here, and your ass is blocking the back so there's no light here. You're in a tube that you can't get out of, and it's dark. They call it the dark night of the soul. They feel as if your flesh is ripped off in strips are being stuck into your eyes. This is why in Buddhism we say the source of our grace is also the source of our agony. God, good guy, devil, bad guy. If we thought the devil was that guy in a red suit with horns and tails, we would recognize instantly what's going on. Red suit, horns, tail, bad guy, go away. This instant, it could come in the form of a guy in a three-piece suit and an attaché case. Very charming. Walks right in and sits down, and you're having a. And you find out there's another agenda walking along. That's something interesting in his attaché case. I'll pull it out at some point. This is important part of Zen practice, to recognizing the source of the ecstasy and the agony as one source. When we split like that, our ability of bringing things to a conclusion ends. Then if we split it, the possibility of bringing about a reconciliation says what you want. This is the natural state, the organic state, the unnatural state, your Buddha nature. When we're spiritually correct, we form an image of Buddha alibi and rock us home you're very sweet and very nice and you're very correct in everything you do spiritually never fart never never fart you think that if you really get it you'll never ever have to take a dump again you'll transcend all that human stupid stuff 
But I did something this morning that every spiritual saint, holy man, Messiah has done. I took it. Why does Rick talk about taking a dump so much? Because we're trapped in trying to become spiritually correct. This becomes difficult. Recently I read an article about the Dalai Lama who admitted he, the Dalai Lama, gets angry. That's upsetting to our idea of spiritual correctness. It's angry. The question we have to ask is, what does he do with it? Right? What? Not why. What does he do with it? What do you do with it is the question, isn't it? When there are things that need to be cut out, how to do that? But spiritual correctness says, oh, no, no, that's not nice. If the doctor's unwilling to take the scalpel and plunge it into the person and cut the person open and go in there and cut out the cancer, he better get a job as a car salesman because he's not functioning as a doctor. And if the wise man or the wise woman, woman in you do what needs to be done, which means cutting out what needs to be cut out, then fire the wise man or the wise woman because they're not really. True compassion, warrior. True warrior has compassion. You can't have one without the other. And we're reluctant because if we bring out tough love, we think we're being spiritually incorrect. We're not nice. We're not charming. We're not sweet. We're not lovable. If we're going to practice Zen intelligently, apple is the appropriate tool to bring out of the box. We just go ahead and do it. Holy Duty went to New Jersey. Biggest block path to liberation not wanting to go down into that dark stuff. Biggest block on the path to spiritual liberation is not wanting to go down into that dark stuff. We do all sorts of things to avoid it. But because there is wisdom at work within us, things will come about to bring us to the point where we have no choice but to will be the snake going into the bamboo tube. There be a dozen things that we haven't been willing to reconcile, to look at, because of a loved one, disappointment in childhood, unfairness of a boss, so many things, so many possibilities. The way we transform it is to look at it directly. Now, the other side of that coin is some things are going to be transformed without even taking a look at it, just because you're sitting and you're allowing all this stuff to take place. Healing wants to happen. Healing wants to happen. Ego is averse to that. Because all these little things that we're clinging to, all these reference points, are what sustain the ego. Trying to disenfranchise the ego. Franchise is illegal. One of the, yes. A hey, reference point in the back. What did he say? There's an index that says Dark Knight in the back and tells you what page. <laughs> Crossing the wasteland. That sounds like a possibility. Ah! Mm -hmm. Ah! Ah! Aha! Oh, cool. Long reading. The descent. Whatever the nature of our path, there will be almost inevitably a time when our 
essential identity begins to be challenged and we are taken through a process of death and transformation, crucifixion and resurrection, a descend <coughs> into the pain of spiritual crises called by Christian mystics the dark night of the soul. These periods of depression and disintegration can be profoundly significant to understand their meaning. Surprisingly, these psychological processes are seldom, if ever, described in traditional Buddhist teachings. The attainment of qualities and insights that arise as the fruits of practice are not spoken of in terms of subjective, emotional, or psychological process that occurs. My experience, however, any insights that emerge often follow a painful journey rather than a blissful awakening. While I was spending time in retreat, periods of depression would often lead to very deep experiences and insight, which has led me to wish to understand this process more deeply. Myths and legends, time spent wandering across the vast plains, deserts, or oceans, through barren wilderness, or down into deep forbidding valleys, is a recurring theme. Images depict a period of desolate struggle with when the traveler, having journeyed far from a familiar homeland, no reference, enters a state of terrible psychological dissolution, barrenness, and flatness. He or she is lost, wandering in a territory that is wild, desolate, perhaps hostile, and almost entirely empty and melancholic. Many stories, the hero struggles across wild seas or hostile mountains where brigands, thieves, and outlaws dwell. These are the doubts, fears, and delusions that haunt us on the journey. In the guidebooks to the magical kingdom of Shambhala, traveler passes through hot, windy deserts where showers of diamond hail, freaking eagles descend to tear out the flesh. Here, nameless fears manifest as fiery-eyed demons to invoke terror. These images depict a time of descent into the depths of our being to confront the shadow, our fundamental aloneness, reality, nature of ego. Periods must be passed through without knowledge of how things will turn out. The question that accompanies the dark night involves a loss of vitality, enthusiasm, and meaning, a loss of what was secure and familiar, and a loss of our ability to control what is happening. In my experience, such a crisis will also challenge our relationship to the Buddha Dharma and our depth of understanding. There's a lot more. We're getting worn out. I have often spoke about the fact that there's a point where the teachings fall apart. Why is that so? They fall apart because we reach the point in the practice where what we are using the teachings for is wrong. If I do this, I will get that. That's pure ego. I will become enlightened. The only thing I'm thinking about becoming enlightened is the ego. So then we find out, boy, 
this really sucks. I've made a huge investment. I sit and I meditate and I'm very spiritually correct. And I'm not getting the payoff. There's no doggy bone. Now we can pick up the teachings properly. That's what this man's talking about. Now don't get too upset about this. I'm spiritually correct. Now I gotta go and oh, oh boy, my spiritual either. You could join that club that takes whips and beats themselves. That's not it. Trying to manufacture it misses the point. It will happen. Spiritual correctness. That's just where it steps from correctness to pathology. Now, this was a lovely lecture. See how uplifted and happy you all are. <laughs> what would you like to say about this? This state, there's nothing to access. Right. Well done, Lynn. Well done. Not the enemy per se, but it is part of the problem. Trust samsara to bring us to. We can trust everything to bring us to enlightenment if we're really willing. Straightforward, open, honest, and direct. It sounds like we could just go to psychology. Well, it's interesting. He's a Englishman who spent years in Tibet studying with different lamas, living in a cave. And then he came back, and he had never taken vows, so he couldn't sell himself as a teacher. What's his name? And I'm sorry. He went and studied to become a Jungian analyst. He's now combined the two, and he presents himself as a Jungian analyst who has studied Tibetan Buddhism for years. Anything there for our enlightenment. You could use anything you want if you were completely devoted I had a friend upstate, George Monaghan, hated, hated it with a passion. He was a ski instructor. I said, you, you can take anything and use it the way you want. Now, here's the interesting thing. This horrible thing we talked about, dark night of the soul. It's just a matter how much volume there is on the situation. When you're here, you're in the dark night of the soul but the whisper might be very low. Vitality and enthusiasm. And we'll go in and look. Look at the roots of that mm -hmm. loss of vitality. He's not talking about that. Yes. For those who want suffering, there's no end to it. For those who want to bring an end to suffering, we can bring an end to suffering. But for reasons I don't understand and can't explain, it's a very difficult process. Very sorry. Not for you, for me. We are told death of ego, the great death. And this is being described here. True to bring about the great death. The only thing is that which dies really had no great substance to begin with. But reminded me of Cahill Gibran. As love crowns you socially. At that point, your meditation practice comes down to just repeating the same thing over and over again. And that is thank you. Ooh. 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 What's on the other side of all this duality? What is that? We talked about using God as a reference. As long as there's God, the trouble is we're creating that God. That's not the real thing. What's the real thing? Now this is not an atheistic statement. The 
interesting book by a Catholic, a Catholic priest in Germany, and he addresses the Buddhist issue of slay the Buddha. I talked to one priest about it who was interested in Zen regarding this issue of slay the Buddha. I said, can we say slay the Christ? Oh, no, 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 no. This guy wrote a book and said, of course we have to. First, Christ we have is a conceptualized Christ. We have to slay that Christ to find the real one. Where's the real one? Absolute, that becomes a reference point. Again? When we talk about the absolute, that becomes a reference Absolutely. point also. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about not having a reference point becomes a reference point. The mind just becomes convoluted. Hence, we enter into spiritual pathology. What do we do? Now here we've come right up to it. Now we've come right up to it. This is where we talk about the teachings collapse. Why? Because we want the teachings to give us a payoff. I do this, I get that. Quid pro quo. Doesn't work here. That's making a deal with something. I do this, you give me that. That's creating something external that's going to correct the problem. I have two problems at this point, Buddhism and Christianity. With Christianity, the solution is external, and that external will give us what we need to be relieved. Buddhism, the solution is internal, and we'll find that something inside that will give us relief. They're both erroneous. If you understand what you're up against, what you're working with, <coughs> Reference. Um, oh. The fish in the ocean looking for water. You swim up to another fish and say, hey, buddy, you seen any water? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Holy mackerel. Papoom. I know, that was awful. Myself, when it comes to the, gr the gratitude, it's within the practice, already infused. Who am I saying thank you to? Me, I start with the physicality. There's part of me that totally wishes to detach from this body. I'm about my feelings, I am about my intellect, I'm about the experience, and this just happens to be here like a skin tag floating around with me. The simple fact is, without this physiology that's sitting here on this cushion right now, that is obeying my commands. I'm not talking egotistically. It's obeying me. It's in adoration and devotion to everything that I am doing. I start there. I start with thank you. Thank you. If it's aching, it's letting me know something's going on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It lets me know it's cold. <laughs> Put a jacket on. I'm hungry. Eat. At that point, as I allow myself to stop, gandhas, the, the fences, I start allowing myself to let go. I thank my sense of smell. I thank my sight. I thank my touch. They are not the distractions and the detriments that I make them out to be. They're there for my enlightenment. Thank you. I thank my intellect. I thank this wonderful brain that can formulate, conjugate, and do all sorts of other Asians. I move outside. Thank you.
Thank you, thank you. Thank you, traffic. Thank you, sun. Thank you, clouds. Thank you, snowstorm. Now, the big step is getting it from here to here. I used to practice these upstairs. They'd have big insights, and they'd take the videotape and file it. They wouldn't integrate it. Mm -hmm. Just to integrate would destroy his sense of who he is. This is a lecture you file. Much later. Yes? <laughs> if Jody will permit me, I first had this stroke. I did not say that. everything but. F word was very alive. Now it's become my ally. Keeps me aware of here and now. And I was blessed with diabetes, blessed with hepatitis, blessed with grave disease, and then I was blessed, blessed, and I was blessed with restless leg syndrome and action. And who? All of these blessings. <laughs> Just keep practicing. The difference is how stubborn you are is the criteria. Either you're stubborn, closed, unwilling, or straightforward, open, honest, and direct. Come into Sanzen and say, I hate with all my heart and soul what's happening to me. It's unfair, it's unjust, it's cruel and mean. At one point when he was in his hut in the Himalayas, he jumped up from his meditation and threw everything out the door. Statues, books, everything. He hated it with a fury. He went off to see a teacher who at this point was living as a hermit. And he's walking down the path and the teacher starts riotously laughing. He says, oh good, good, you finally got there. Just go back and keep going. That's not what I want to hear. Sing me a freaking lullaby. I'm really, really struggling with my wife. I put her in bed with her music teacher. I went out to see Oshi. Went to sign. All the way, I had to drive all the way across. Huh? Oh, Roshi, my wife, uh, I don't care. You son of a bitch. Supposed to take me and sing me a lullaby and tell me, it's okay, Rick, it's okay, it's okay, baby. That would be indulging the little baby child who doesn't want to grow up. Hmm? Final statement of worshiping in the church of the wounded child. That's a reference point. Poor baby, poor baby. Move forward. Sounds brutal. You know why it sounds brutal? Because it is. Brutal to the ego. It's completely disenfranchising the ego. Isn't what you want to hear first time around. <laughs> I'm supposed to, when you knew, I'm supposed to sing you a nice little lullaby. I, I have two comments. Comment one. Did you really think he was going to sing you a lullaby knowing... Part, part of me was hoping for that, yes. And isn't there sometimes when... Again? That when it would have been appropriate for him to do so. It's possible, yes, yes, yes. The criteria is, do you trust the teacher to see into you correctly? Do I have this exchange with? I used to be involved with the American Society of Psychical Research. I got the second highest four they ever got. Wings. Huh? Wings. 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 <laughs> what? Going. Over the years, I've let that dissipate because you don't have to use psychic abilities. You look at the person, and their body is telling you everything about them. It's not mysterious. You come and you ring the bell. 
you already told me a lot about yourself. Your body is always speaking the truth. Always. Particularly the eyes. The person won't look you in the eye. They've already told you something. Where they look, you know, instead of looking in the eye, they look over here. Well, that tells you something. They look over here or down here. It's all telling you something about that person. You can't hide. You're naked. You're exposed. I see. <laughs> Are you kidding? You <laughs> but it's got a little sugar coating on it. I took no, the sugar. No, I don't know. I think. All right. <laughs> I'm can, already here. You're not. I can turn into spiritual pathology. Where I already am, and it's. I'm already no, here, so God. this agonizing here, pain right. in my body, in my belly, doesn't matter. We think this is. I'm quoting Trumpa. We think there's something wrong with our body growing old, all the aches and pains and discomfort, all the aging process, growing old, getting sick, and that one, dying. If you were born, you have to die. If you want to avoid the old age part of it, then die early. Well, you see, that comes from the ego's, see, right? I know how to get out of this, I'll commit suicide. That comes from the ego's unwillingness to look at the poison. I know how to avoid this, I'll commit suicide. I'm getting little messages here. Okay. Awaken, not squander your life. One. One. The truth of suffering should be seen. The origin of suffering should be avoided. The goal should be attained. The past should be actualized. Suffering should be realized as impermanence. The origin of suffering should be realized as impermanence. The goal should be realized as impermanence. The past should be realized as impermanence. Suffering should be seen clearly. The origin of suffering should be seen clearly. The goal should be seen clearly. The past should be seen clearly. There is no suffering, no origin of suffering, no goal, no path. Saga relationships become complete. May my Zen center flourish. Thank you for coming. Who is it? Oh, oh, wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Come in, Ronan. Come in. Uh, I'll just put my shoes away. Thank you. Put the shoes away. Thank you, Tom. I think that's what that meant. Hey. <laughs>